0: And Jesus said to him, well, you know, follow the Ten Commandments. You know, honor your father and mother. Do not kill. Do not lie. Do not steal. I mean, you know, do that. And so the rich young ruler had a big smile on his face, said, yeah, I've been doing that. I've been doing that since I was a child. And so Jesus says, okay, well, one thing you lack. Go ahead and sell all your riches. Sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. And then come follow me. And we know what happened. His, his face went down, his complexion went pale, and he said, I can't do that. And so what happened? Jesus just reeled in on his one thing. Jesus just knocked away at that's the one thing that you need to give up. See, we've, we've all got areas we're doing good in and we're excited about, and I'm growing and I'm changing this and I'm changing that. But at some point, for growth to take place, Uh, Jesus talked about being a part of the vine and being a part of him requires pruning. And at some part in our growth process, we'll see areas that maybe they were okay yesterday, but today we need to start cutting something off. We we need to start addressing this. We need to start attacking that. And so um, throughout the word, as we continue to look at this, um, a lot of it's exciting. In fact, all of it's exciting. The pruning is even exciting. The pruning 's exciting because there 's growth on the other side of that that 's where the that 's why it 's so exciting. but if we get caught up in the pruning, I tell you it hurts tell you it's not it 's not easy to cut stuff off it 's not the the most exciting thing, but the growth on the other side is and so we 're going to talk about all of it as your pastor you 've heard me say this especially over the last several weeks getting into the gifts of the spirit um, That is an area in the church that we've just decided not to really talk about. We don't really want to address it. Um, And it's for different reasons. For different reasons. For some people, they don't understand it. Um, But the Bible says in Hosea that uh, because you don't understand, that will be your downfall. It says they will perish for the lack of understanding. Um, Some people have seen the tool or the gifts of the Spirit misused or abused properly. See, I call it the the American doctrine, the American gospel, because in America we live in a democracy. Um, and you hear me talk about this so many times. But in America we live in a place where we get to pick and choose. We vote for the president. We vote for these people. We get to pick and choose what we do and what we don't what we, who we like and who we don't there's this pick and choose mentality and what's happened is is the church is not set up according to that the church is set up according to a kingdom where you don't have a vote you don't have a right you don't have a say you don't have an opinion you do what the king says now that's easy because the king has your best interest at heart the king only wants the best for you we know god we know that god is love And when someone's truly motivated by love, it's easy to serve that person. It's easy to do whatever they ask you to do because they love you. They're not telling you to stay out of the road because they don't want you to have fun. They're telling you to stay out of the road because you can get hit by a car. And so what has happened is we have let this American thought process, this mentality, to creep into the church. And so as we're reading through the Bible... I like that. Oh, that's good. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not too big on that. I don't understand that. That makes me uncomfortable. And so, we're, we're picking and choosing what we let in the church, what we live by, what we're governed by. And that's just not, that's just not how it's supposed to be. And so, I'm excited about being able to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, it's kind of like, <clears throat> it's kind of like this. Um, guns. Let me talk about guns. We're in the South, right? Um, Now, I'll tell you this. I'm from Texas. You can't tell any of my Texas friends this at all. Um, I've never shot a gun. Now, don't shoot me because I've never shot a gun, but I've never actually shot a gun, so you can't hold me to it. I, I, I don't have any opinion on guns, good, bad, whatever, but here's what's happened. There is a debate, there is a thought process with some people that don't believe guns should be allowed in everyone's hands in America. And so we have gun laws, we have gun restrictions, and there are people trying to tighten down those laws. Why? Because people have misused and abused the tool. How many of you can think of a good way to use a gun? How many of you can think of a bad way to use a gun? Okay. How many of you think, how many of you can think of someone that you wouldn't mind putting putting a gun in their hands? Okay. How many of you can think of some people that you probably wouldn't mind putting a gun in their hands? Don't look at me. (laughs) Not yet. Uh. I would probably be okay with putting a gun in Brent's hands. He's got military background. I'm sure he's held one, shot one, probably owns one. I would not be okay putting a gun in my son's hand. He's 15 months old, and he can pull that thing off by accident without even knowing what he's doing. You see where I'm going with this? So we have seen the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Some of us have seen it in operation in a good way. Some of us have seen it misused and abused. But we have no right to throw out the tool or throw out the system because we see someone do it wrong. But again, there's that mentality creeping in of if we see it broken, don't fix it, get rid of it. But I'm here today and I'm here going through this series and taking time to go through the gifts of the Spirit because I want to fix the tool. I want to get the tool in the right Hands. I want people to understand what they're holding, why they have it. And that's why we've been talking about it. We've been talking specifically about the gifts of the Spirit for three weeks. And I cannot seem to come off of uh, continuing to push the order and design behind it. That's all I've talked about the last three weeks. The first week we talked about by order and design. And we talked about how anything that God builds, it must be built to his specifications and to his code. Otherwise, he does not live in it. Uh, You go all the way back to the Old Testament and we saw the temple, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. All those things had to be built specifically to a code. They could not be off by a T. Noah's Ark had to be built to a code. He gave him the exact dimensions. He told him what materials to use. He told him what it's supposed to look like, how this is supposed to be, what goes inside of it, how the door would be. I mean, the whole detail behind it. God is a God of detail. Then we get over to the New Testament. He starts talking about the church. Jesus says, I will build my church. We start looking at ourselves. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He talks about our homes and he says that this is how you're supposed to build your home. This is how you're supposed to build your marriage. This is how you're supposed to raise your kids. And as long as you build it to that code, he lives in it. He's glorified by it. So now we get to the gifts of the Spirit and there is an order and design. But we've been taking time to look at the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church who had gifts of the Spirit in operation in every service. Everybody's got a tongue. Everybody's got a psalm. Everybody's got a a hymn, everybody, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul's addressing it, he says, how is it, brethren, that every time you come together, everyone's got this, everyone's, and what's he addressing? The chaos and disorder. In fact, later on in that chapter, he says that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Yet, confusion has crept in. And so, that's why we're taking this time to look at the gifts of the Spirit, because they are vital. And right now, I'm seeing a trend in churches where if we see something that's uncomfortable or we see something that got broken, we just don't talk about it. We just don't address it. I don't want to put, any, put anything in my church that would cause someone to walk away. Well, if you do it right, the Bible actually tells me that people will be encouraged and edified by it. So how many churches, how many people are going to churches on Wednesday evening, Sunday morning, Saturday nights? And they're not being encouraged. They're not they're getting a good show. They're being entertained. They got lots of lights and music and loud stuff, good coffee, comfortable seats, but when it comes down to it, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in church. And so that's what we've been taking time to do and I thought this week I'd be able to get a little more into um Breaking down the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit specifically, uh, but this last week I had a lot of questions, and the one question that seemed to just keep coming up was, who? Who can operate in gifts of the Spirit? Who does the Holy Spirit come upon? Um, and so that's what I want to address tonight. And so tonight, title of my message. If you're taking notes, you can title the message "Be the Gift." Be the gift. Uh, let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I told you a few weeks ago that the main thing that we had to understand is we always have to remember the source of something. Um, especially in the spirit realm. When you start talking about and you start seeing manifestations of the spirit realm, you're seeing them because it's being made manifest in the na- in the natural realm. And what we can see. So we tend to get our eyes off of what's really happening and onto the person or the thing that's taking place. And so when we're talking about who can operate in gifts of the Spirit, who are the gifts of the Spirit for, we have to remember the source. The source is the Holy Spirit. The source is God. If I start giving a tongue or an interpretation, if I start prophesying, if I start laying my hands on somebody in a working of miracles, I'm not the source. I'm not the one you need to be looking at. So you don't need to get your eyes off of God and the, what's taking place and get it on me and say, wow, look at Pastor Mark, look at, no, I'm just a tool, I'm just a vessel, I'm just the channel through which God is working in that instance. So look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter twelve verse eleven says, "But one and the same Spirit, everyone say the same, Spirit. same, the same Spirit. Spirit. The same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So who's the who's distributing? The Holy Spirit, God. God's just distributing by His Spirit. It's not. It, it, I'm going to tell you this right now." The Holy Spirit never moves or never operates in someone's life without them wanting it. You've heard me say that the Holy Spirit requires a yielding to. He's not going to take over my body. He's not just going to start spitting out words that I don't want to say. He's not going to make me lay hands on somebody I don't want to lay hands on. He's not going to make me prophesy to someone that doesn't want me to prophesy to them. Is this or uh, it, that that if I don't want to prophesy, you see what I'm saying? Me being the one yielding, if I don't yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't move through me. Now, I've been in situations where one person didn't yield, and so someone else got impressed upon by the Spirit of God to move in this instance. Because, why? Because God loves people. God loves people. God through, through the gifts of the Spirit, wants to edify, wants to encourage people. He cares about you. So if I'm not yielding, he's going to move on somebody. Somebody's going to get the Spirit to move in that situation and in that service. So, the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he wills, not as you will. You can't will it to happen. You can't say, I want... Now, you can. You can desire it. But you can't will that specific thing to take place. The Holy Spirit is the one that moves upon people. So, He's the source. The person that's moving is not the source. Okay? You are a tool. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. We're going to set a pattern here. A little further down. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. So who set the members? God. And who gets pleasure out of it? God. God sets us in the body as it pleases Him. Did you know that you please God when you're in your position in the body? That's awesome. See, it's not about me. It's not about serving the church. It's about serving God. It's about God being pleased. It's about God being excited. God being happy that you're giving yourself to that. That's awesome. Let's keep on going. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. A little bit further down. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets... Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Now, who does it say appointed? God. So there is three verses. There's your confirmation that the Holy Spirit, that God is the one moving through people and appointing people and setting people in their position. Now, we've looked at this chapter before, and this is where Paul is talking about the church as a body I love I love how the Bible so many times will relate something unseen to something seen. We all know what a body looks like. We all know uh, how a physical body operates. We all know that uh, that my arm is attached to the body, my arm gets direction from the head, my heart, the whole thing they 're all working together. if any part of my body stops working with me and starts working against me, where do you go for that? The hospital. The doctor. My kidneys aren't working. My lungs not working. My heart's failing. My brain's not... We, We go to somebody to see that. Why? Because the body should be working together. And so, just as you have many members with different assignments, none of it's better than anybody else. None of these members... In fact, the members you can't see, they're not any less than the ones you can see. Because if my heart stops working, although you can't see it, the rest of me stops working. What you can see shuts down. Okay? Then also, none of my members can do all of it. My brain needs my heart to pump blood to it, my hand, my mouth needs my hand to bring food to it. I mean, the. There's not one part of my body that's doing it all. Not my hand saying, all right, you guys, sit down, take a break, I got this, I'll, I'll pump, I'll think, I'll walk, I'll eat, I'll, I'll talk, the talking hand. No, it doesn't work that way, okay? Also, this is the qualifier right here. What qualifies you to operate in gifts of the Spirit? Being a part of the body. Being a part of the body, right there. That's why he said in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. That means that someone just walking in off the street who hasn't attached themselves to this body and this vision, they don't have a voice in this church. And as the head of this church, as the pastor of this church, as the overseer, I have the responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen. And we've had that happen before. Down in St. Augustine, you know, you, you you get of size and people start hearing about you and so they drop by and they think they have a word for your church. You you're not a part of the body. You don't know what's going on here. Well, I'm not just going to hand a microphone to anybody. I, I'm not just gonna not just gonna give it a, a, a an instrument to anybody. You hook up with the vision. Hook up with the body. I want to know that you're about everything we're about. That you're driving this thing just as much as we're driving this thing. That you're like minded in this thing. So there's the qualifier being a part of the body of Christ. That also means that an unbeliever is not operating in gifts of the Spirit. That means an unbeliever is not walking in off the street unsaved and going to have a say so in what we do in the service. Sorry, that you're not qualified. But God is the one who's appointing. God is the one who's setting in place. God is the one who is uh, moving through people. It's not about the person. And it's not about you uh, trying to make it happen. It's about God working through you. Okay? Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Here's the first thing I want you to understand. The gifts are not for you. When you're operating in the gift... It's not for you. Now here's what I mean by that. When when the, gifts are spirit, when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation and they are working through you, you just became a gift to the body. The Holy Spirit working through you, you just became a gift to the body. Let's look at this in in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. "We, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. God appointed us. A sphere which especially includes you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of the things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not... He who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Right here, Paul is saying that when we came and ministered, the things that we did, the words that we spoke, they were not about us. We have no right to boast. We have no right to be proudful, uh, prideful. We have no right to 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 be proud of our accomplishments because it's not our accomplishments. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. It is. It said he said right there, for not he who commends himself is approved. I'm not approved because. I taught myself up. I'm approved because the Lord has commended me to work in this operation and in this situation. Their sphere of influence, their sphere of accomplishment was based upon the Holy Spirit working through them. And Paul didn't have to walk into a new town or a new church and say, uh, Here I am, look what I'm doing. He let the Holy Spirit work through him. One of the things that we said a few weeks ago is, When when you're having questions or when you're wondering if that's really a, a move of the Holy Spirit, take a look at who's getting the glory. If it's glorifying man, if the attention is on the person, it's probably not of him. It's probably not of the Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit is truly moving in a service, he will get all the glory. All glory will go to him. It won't be distracting. It won't be all attention on the person. It won't be all attention on the event. It won't be all the attention on what's taking place. It'll be attention on God. It'll be purposeful. It'll be the Holy Spirit lifting up God himself. That's how we can know. And so Paul is saying here, I'm not commended because of what I'm doing. I glory in the Lord. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Romans chapter 12, <clears throat> in verse 3. Paul's got a little more to say about operating in these gifts. And he says here, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure. Who is dealing? God. Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many as one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6, having then gifts differing. We already know according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, that means to serve. Let us use these gifts in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy... With cheerfulness. What's he saying? That your gift is not for you, it's for someone else. That's why it's so important that we yield, because it's not about us. If God has a word for me to give to Chuck, then I need to give that. It's not about me. It's about what God's trying to get to Chuck, and I just became a gift to Chuck. Because of the gift being an operation in my life. So God is wanting to use us to be gifts to the body. That's why he said, in ministry, then use it in ministry. If it's in exhorting, then use it in exhortation. If it's in faith, then use it in faith. Use your gift, because your gift makes you a gift. It's not about possessing a gift, it's about being a gift. Amen? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And verse 3. <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. See, you're, the, the when when you open your mouth and you give that prophecy, when you give that exhortation, when you give that edification, you just became a comfort or a strengthening or an empowering to someone. You became that. And it's not about... You, but you are serving the body. Verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. See, nothing is in there about that you may. Now, obviously, if you're a part of the church, then you receive the same encouragement everybody else does. You just became the tool that the Holy Spirit used to get that out. But what I'm saying is, is it not about you? Now, last week, we asked the question, what does this have to do with me? What what, what does, uh, you know, because, again, I don't want to be up here and preach something that doesn't concern tomorrow morning when we go to work. But see, these gifts of the Spirit need to be in operation in our lives, daily lives. Take, for example, discernment. That's one of the gifts, that's one of the nine gifts, the gift of discernment. Discernment is to know something spiritually, not on your own knowledge. Well, man, I'd like to have discernment if I'm... An owner of a business and I'm getting ready to go into a business proposition. I want some spiritual discernment to know, is this what I need to do or not need to do? Uh, If you're someone searching for a spouse, uh, I want to be in discernment knowing, is this the right person for me? Is this the right husband? Is this the right wife? We want spiritual discernment. We need spiritual discernment with our friends. Are our friends really our friends? I want to spiritually know that. I don't want to... Base that on natural things? Well, they've always done this. They've always done that. Uh, Our Facebook status says we're friends. I want to base it on the Holy Spirit. I want God to speak to me and say, that's not your friend. Or, that's your friend that you need to stick by them. That's spiritual discernment in our daily life. That's not just about coming through these doors and having church and, alright, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. I want to have these things happen. I want to be able to give a word not to not to someone in church only. I want to be able to give a word to the person, the, the single mom with two screaming kids in Walmart and just say, you know what, the Lord's got this word for you and it'd be an encouragement and an edification for her. When she's at the end of her road or wanting to give up, have that encouragement. But you know what? And, and you know what Paul says here? At the at the verse, uh, at the end of chapter 12, he says, let me just read it to you. Chapter 12, verse 31, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. We'll talk about the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, the Bible is written in chapter and verse so we can find stuff. But that's not the end of one thought in a, chapter 13, verse 1 is a new thought. Chapter 13 says, though. That's a connecting word. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not what? Love. See, what happens is, is we get people here that want the, the Holy Spirit to walk through, to, to be evident in their life. Hey, I, I, I got a word for someone, but you just got done cussing someone out at Walmart. See, we come to church and we want to operate in gifts of the Spirit, but outside the church, that's a whole other ballgame. I'm not talking to you about something that only works at church. I'm talking to you about something that works anywhere you go. Amen. When you have a client walk in the door, when you have a coworker, when you're faced with this situation, when you're faced with that, that's why we took so long to just talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, I wish I could recap everything tonight, but we'd be here till next Wednesday and beyond that. But we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. Many people want to talk about the gifts. We want to talk about the power and the gift of this and the gift of that. But we forget he's a person. Let's establish a relationship with him first before we start going after everything he has. No parent wants a a teenage son coming asking for the keys or asking for some extra cash if they don't want to develop a relationship with them to start with. You don't want children that you know. As you get older, and they've gone down the road, and they have shut you out of their life, and then all of a sudden get a phone call when they're thirty years old, saying, "Mom, Dad, I, I need this." Well, where have you been the last fifteen years? Where have you been the last twelve years? You left the house, and I haven't heard from you since. Why? You develop a relationship. So that's why we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He's been there from the beginning. The Holy Spirit's not a new thing. It didn't show up in the book of Acts. He showed up in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And the Spirit was hovering over the waters, waiting for God to say something. Then we took some time to look at the fruit of the Spirit, the character. Because we get people inside the church that they want to play drums, they want to lead worship, they want the microphone, they want to do this, they want to do that. But outside the church, a whole other person. And a spiritual person is not someone that's got a tongue every service, that doesn't run around the building every service, that uh, doesn't lead worship. A spiritual person is someone that can go out there and walk in love with someone that just got done cussing them out. That can go out there and have peace in a crisis. And everybody look at them and say, how in the world are you so peaceful? Why are you at such peace? Because the fruit of the Spirit is evident in my life. Because the Holy Spirit is working through my life. So that's why we've taken this time to look at these things. Let's keep going. Ephesians chapter 4. This kind of ties up what I was saying there about being the gift. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to look at... Did you know Jesus gave gifts? <clears throat> Jesus gave some gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. See, Christ has given us a gift and there's grace to perform that gift that comes with it. The thing we have to understand is we don't want to get outside of the grace that comes along with the gift because if you get outside of the grace, then you're not equipped To walk in the gift. For example. A pastor. If I was not called to pastor. I would not want to pastor. There is a grace that comes with the position of pastoring. With the gift of pastoring. And if I'm not called to pastor. Then I don't have the grace to pastor. And now I'm trying to pastor on my own. I'm trying to pastor on my own ability, not on his ability. Grace is God's ability to perform what he's called you to do. That's what grace is for. Look at this. Let's go a little further here. Verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, let's find out what those gifts are. Go down to verse 11 and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers that's what we call today the fivefold ministry teachers prophets evangelists pastors for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's what just happened. The gift. I don't possess a gift to pastor. I am the gift. The pastor is the gift. This is what we just talked about. In gifts of the spirit. When you possess the gift. Or when the Holy Spirit is working through you. You become the gift. See we, we live in a nation that doesn't uphold. Uh, and honor leadership in fact we make fun of leadership you can turn on uh Jay Leno or David Letterman any night of the week and they're probably at some point going to talk about the president in a negative fashion i used to watch that stuff all the time man cuz some of those guys they can even do impressions sometimes george bush was hilarious to do impressions of <laughs> i love the president but but what what do we do we have this mentality of negativity, making fun of, and not honoring leadership. But God right here called it a gift to men. Well, that goes the same for the gifts of the Spirit. And so when we operate in gifts of the Spirit, you just became a gift. Therefore, as a body, we should honor that gift. I mean, there's just certain things that happen, and we'll we'll talk about them. But you know, especially tongues and interpretation of tongues, um, there should be nothing going on when that's taking place for two reasons. One, that person is a gift to the body. And two, that's God talking. See, the 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 honor goes out the door when Brent's given a word, and we all just oh, Brent's talking again. There goes Brent, just running his lips. No, that's the Holy Spirit running. <laughs> operating through brent and so what do we do we shut down the music we shut down talking you're not getting up and moving around you're not going to the bathroom you're not opening doors we are honoring the gift that's in the room brent just shifted from being brent and he just shifted to being a gift to the body of christ do you see what i'm saying you see what i'm talking and it's not about us that's why the first thing i said is remember the source because we can easily start honoring people and then we start glorifying man, but it's not about the man. I mean, I'll, it, in those situations, I'll go to I'll go to him and I'll say, "Thank you for yielding to the Holy Spirit." The body needed that this morning. The body needed that tonight. It's not, "Wow, you're so awesome." Let me bow down and worship you. No, because the the Holy Spirit can operate through any single person. It's about you becoming the gift and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you. <clears throat> so who, who can operate in gifts of the Spirit? God is the source. But now our question is, who can operate? Is it just for fivefold ministry? Is it just for uh, certain people that God handpicks and, and so he, he does eeny, meeny, miny, mo or he goes, uh, not it, or no? Let's look at this. Romans chapter 2. These are verses you know. Let's start with Deuteronomy. Let's go to the back and come back up. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 10. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, "For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no what? partiality, nor takes a bribe. He's not he, he he's not partial to anybody. Well, I love this one more than I love this one. Or, I I want to use this person more than I want to use this person. That's why he used the body as an example for the church. Because no part is greater than the other. It's a level playing field. I mean, when I I have leadership staff, you know, when we were down in St. Augustine, we were full-time children's pastors, and we had staff with us. We had staff meetings. And we were very clear... Uh, you know, you, you've probably seen them where in leadership they'll build the model of the steps, and we'll say this is the this is one layer, and then you got another step, and that's the next layer closest to the pastor, and then you got the or in any you got the CEO, and then you work your way down. My model is like a spider web. We're all on the same playing field. We got a source in the middle, and then it spans out from there. And everyone's got a different part to play. Everyone's got a different. Uh, There's a different entity, but when it comes down to it, we're all in the same field. The the shepherd is on the same field as the sheep. He's on the same field. He's just in a different position. Okay? So God has no partiality. Romans chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says to confirm everything with two or three witnesses. That's why we use a lot of scripture. Um, I'm always one to use a lot of scripture. You know that. And uh, because this stuff needs to be confirmed. One of the most dangerous things is when we start taking stuff out of context. Or we start just plucking a verse out of and we forget what's before, what's after, where it's at. So, you know, let's confirm this thing. Let's, Let's see it in God's word. Verse 11 says, For there is no partiality. With God. Now, God doesn't lie. The Bible is nothing but truth. So help me God. Okay? So, there's two right there that show you that God... In fact, Romans 2.11 in the King James says God is no respecter of persons. There's no respecter of persons. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're answering the question... Who can operate in gifts of the Spirit? One of the one of the cop-outs in the church today, um, in in not utilizing the body, is that it's one of the one of the answers people have is it's not for everybody. You know, I mean, that, let, let's just let's just outline some of the things we've heard. Uh, you've probably heard that it's not for today. How many of you believe salvation is for everybody? Okay. How many of you believe salvation is for today? It's not been done away with. How many of you believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Okay. How many of you believe the Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever? It's unchanging. It will never fail. It will always be. Okay. Then why Why would healing, why would that have been for Way back then when Jesus was on the earth, but not for today. You now, i just, just asking the question. Uh, gifts of the Spirit. Why would it have been so prevalent and, and, and so used mightily in the, in the New Testament, in the beginning of the church, and then today we say, well, it's not for today. Or it's not for everybody. Or it's only for, it's, it's for who God picks. I mean, we know God is. We know that God is distributing as he, as he wills, but He's not a respecter of persons in who He's choosing. He's picking whoever will yield to His Spirit. Look at First Corinthians fourteen verse twenty-six. Paul says, "Brethren, twenty-six. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm." has a teaching, has a tongue, has a re- has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Each of you, every single one of you. What's he addressing with this church? The chaos and, and the disorder that's taking place. But when we go down, we find that he's not telling people to stop doing it. He's telling he's saying let's have some order to it. Let's have let's do away with the chaos. Let's do away with the confusion. Every one of you. But it seemed to me like God was moving on all these people. Okay? Verse 31. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and may be encouraged. Paul is always going back. Paul's always going back to why we're doing this, for edification, for exhortation, that all may be encouraged, that all may be empowered. Why? Because when you remember why you're doing something, it keeps you in line with how it's supposed to be done. And so he's addressing with the Corinthian church here, he's saying, that's great that the Spirit's moving in your services but we need decency and order. I mean, verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most. Not everybody just blurting out tongues. Why? Because tongues doesn't help anybody. we got to have an interpretation. So let's keep it down to two or three at the most and then let let one person interpret it. If there is no interpreter, then let him stay silent. If there's no interpreter, then don't say anything because all you're doing is Give it a bunch of tongues and no one understands what you're saying because all we understand is English. We have to have an interpreter, okay? So, God is no respecter of persons. You can see that He has gone through here. In fact, Paul tells this church many times to desire spiritual gifts. Why would He tell us to desire spiritual gifts if we couldn't operate in them? Why would He tell us to long for with a zealous passion ...to go after these gifts... ...if we couldn't operate and we couldn't use them. So the Holy Spirit is still moving today. Manifestations of the Spirit are still for today. Tongues, interpretation of tongues... um, uh, ...prophecies, working of miracles, healings, gifts... ...all this stuff that's not been done away with. You can't confirm that in the Bible. You, you, You can't show me that. The Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever... ...and what was happening in that church today... The, the New Testament is what we call a precedent-setting event. A precedent-setting event, which means this is how it's done today, and this is how it needs to be done every time. I mean, all we see is the beginning church. Once the first apostles start dying off, we see the end of the book. I mean, John's the last one, and he was out on an island, but he was pretty much the last of the apostles. I mean, Peter got his head cut off, Paul was you know, uh, beheaded, I believe. I mean, you got uh, apostles that are being boiled in hot water, alive. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. And so we don't see anything really beyond that. But there's no doubt in my mind, there's no question in, the, in my mind that the Holy Spirit is still as important in the church today as He was in the beginning. This is a precedent-setting event in what took place on Acts chapter 2 and throughout the rest of this book. Is supposed to be happening in churches today. And I don't care if people get weird with it. I don't care if people misuse it. I don't care if people don't handle it properly. I don't care if people don't understand it. I'm going to get them to understand it. I'm going to help and correct their thinking on it. I'm going to show them how to use it properly. I'm going to show them where people got off. And I'm going to get people balanced back on a move in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in church. Because it's important. It's that important. You're missing an entire entity when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to operate in our services. I want to close with this passage in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. We're talking about no respecter of persons. See, all this stuff helps you. I mean, if I were to have just jumped right into gifts of the Spirit, and we're we're asking questions on, okay, why do I need to know about that? How do I use that? Can I use that? I mean, those are all the questions we would be having. So I'm answering all those questions. I mean, last week we talked about the desire. Remember? And I said, uh, I I can't get you excited about something if I first don't build the desire up. And Paul said to desire spiritual gifts. So last week we just talked about desiring the gifts and why the gifts need to be prevalent in our churches. Why they need to be happening. Why the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is so important. What, What can a working of miracles do for me? What can a gift of faith do for me? What can tongues and interpretation do for me? What can a private use of tongues do for my life? I want to build a desire. I mean, I've spent the last few weeks actually just having conversations with people about it, uh, just to to build up desire within them to say, this is why it's so important. This is what everybody wants to know. What's in it for me? Anything we do in life, I mean, why? Because we don't want to waste our time doing something that we don't. That's not going to benefit us. I mean, why do I need to do my taxes? <laughs> Let me tell you why you don't need to do your taxes. <laughs> and see if you still want to do, I mean, we're talking about, why do I need to put gas in my car? Why do I need to drink water every day? We want to talk about stuff that's benefiting us. So, we need to just build up desire. Well, Acts chapter 10, we're, we're here with the man. His name is Cornelius, and I'm going to just kind of cliff notes it for you. and and, and break it down, we got a man named Cornelius. He's a Roman. He's actually a centurion. He's not a Jew. And up to this point, God's manifestation, God's Spirit was moving upon the Jews. And so now we have a man here. He's a righteous man. He's a just man. See, being born again doesn't make you righteous. Because Abraham was righteous, and he didn't have the opportunity to accept Jesus into his heart. But he was accounted for as Righteous. But once Jesus died on the cross, that requirement, those requirements went out the window. And to become righteous required you to be born again. Okay? So born again doesn't make you righteous. But to be righteous, you have to accept Jesus into your heart. We see how that works now? So he's a righteous man in the sense that he fears God. He's praying. In fact, on this day, he's praying. And he was praying to God one day. And uh, God told him to send men to Joppa, to another city, and ask for a man named Simon Peter. We all know about that guy. Tried to walk on water, cut a guy's ear off, got in Jesus' face and said, oh, no, you didn't. I mean, we we know who Peter is now. But Peter's also the one in Acts chapter 2 that stood up in front of 3,000 people and preached the first message and brought 3,000 people into the kingdom of God. So... God tells him, send some men over to get this guy Peter. Well, Peter is praying. He's up on a housetop and he's praying. And all of a sudden he enters into a trance. And he he sees this white sheet coming down out of the sky. And it's got animals in it. And a voice tells him, rise Peter, kill and eat. One problem. The food that was in there, the animals that were in there were unclean. He's not allowed to eat them. So Peter says, Lord, I can't eat this. And the Lord tells him, do not call unclean what I call clean. And he shows this to him three times. Well, then the three men come. Say, we got a guy over here in uh, Caesarea. He's a Roman centurion. He's not a Jew. uh, And he wants to see you. And Peter knows why. That guy, not a Jew, is what we would determine as unclean, as not included in God's gift. See, we're already at the beginning of the church and we're already starting to exclude people from who can receive salvation, from who can be born again. So Paul or Peter ends up at Cornelius' house. Cornelius, man, he... Expectation. He's got his whole family there. He's like, I ain't meeting with this guy one on one. I'm getting everybody here. Everybody needs to hear what this guy's got to say. If I just had an angel visit me and tell me to get this guy here, we'll bring the whole house down. He's calling his brothers and cousins and aunts and uncles and parents and he's saying, You got to get here. We got a man, an angel told me to bring. He's here. So look at this in chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no what? Partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know. See, this guy already knew. These people already knew the gospel. But they were short one thing which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus didn't do what he did because he was the Son of God. Jesus did what he did because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power. He didn't do what he did just because, hey, I'm the Son of God, here I am, let me just show some stuff off. He didn't do a thing. Until John the Baptist baptized him and the Holy Spirit came on his life. So tell me the Holy Spirit ain't important now. (laughs) All right, let's keep going. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree him god raised up on the third day and showed him openly not to all people but to witnesses chosen before by god even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to the people i mean paul peter's preaching man he's going off right here and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that is that it that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remissions of sins. Peter is in the middle of preaching his message. He's still going. Next verse. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. The Holy Spirit just showed up on people that were supposed to be excluded from being able to manifest and operate in the Holy Spirit. While he's still preaching. I mean, how awesome is that that if I were just preaching and people would just come up and say, hold on, I need to receive Jesus. I mean, talk about an altar call. I didn't have to give an altar call. They just came running down themselves. That's awesome. Verse 45. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. That means those that were Jews, those that had already received salvation, they're astonished. As many as came with Peter. Peter brought some people with him. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with what? Tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? So this, Cornelius and all his family just received salvation and the Holy Spirit in one instance. Without Peter giving an altar call, and even those that were already uh, already Christians and believers were astonished. They're thinking, What in the world? What? How can they be filled? If you go over to chapter 11, in verse 17, it says, If therefore God gave them the same gift, what happened was is Peter went back to his own people, went back to his own company, and is telling them what, I mean, the whole uh, first verses of Acts 11, he's telling his people what just happened. You're not going to believe what just took place. I just went over to some Gentiles. I went over to a Roman centurion's house, and... And they received salvation. They received the Lord. I started preaching to them. And without me even saying anything, they came down and they said, We need this salvation. The Holy Spirit came on them. They started speaking in other tongues. And we baptized them in water. So verse 17, they're saying, If if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is I that I can withstand that? When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorify God, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. You cannot show me in God's Word where He's cutting people out, where He's excluding people, where He's saying, you can't, you can't, you can, but you can't. The gift of the Holy Spirit is... Will go upon anyone that is yielding, anyone that is willing, anyone that is desiring, anyone that is expecting God to move through their life. Anybody can. When we get to tongues and interpretation or when we get to tongues and being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter two, and on throughout the word. Tongues is not for a few select people. It's not if you want it or if you feel like it. It is a free gift to all people. I mean, for some reason, when we get past salvation, then we start breaking down and picking and choosing and, and determining who gets what. And just like salvation is for everybody, the Holy Spirit is for everybody. Just like salvation is for everybody, healing is for everybody. And those those are the three those are the two things, the Holy Spirit in healing, that we start breaking down. Why? Because they're not as prevalent as salvation. See, salvation, there really is no natural sign that accompanies it. I mean, we know that people's composure changes, eventually their lifestyle changes. Um, sometimes you know, man, you're saved. We know you got born again. Your joy, your composure is different. You're more excited about life. You you, you know you have a purpose and a plan for your life now. But physically, you don't come down here, pray the prayer, walk back to your seat a different person. You don't look different. There's really no natural sign. But with healing, there's definitely a natural sign. With the gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit comes with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The speaking of tongue, speaking in tongues is evidence or proof. If I bring evidence to you about something, I'm proving to you that something just happened. So tongues has the natural sign that accompanies it. But that doesn't make it any less uh, real to anybody. That doesn't make it any less of a... Of, an experience that every single believer ought to experience. And that's where we're going to start next week, is we're going to start with the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then from there we can get into the nine gifts of the Spirit. Because I can't talk about tongues and interpretation if you don't know what tongues is for in the first place. Because there's a private side and there's a public side. And the problem here in the Corinthian church is people were confusing it, and so they're coming to to church and they're just... Giving tongues like crazy when it was really meant for a private use in their own daily life. And so we'll look at that side. And then we'll look at the public side. When it is time to give a tongue and then an interpretation must follow it. And we'll look at those things. But I'm telling you today, we're answering the question of who? Everybody. That's who. God is willing and able to manifest His Spirit. And operate the Holy Spirit to anybody and everybody that is willing and will yield to the Holy Spirit. Period. I have never prayed for one person or laid hands on one person and they were filled with the Holy Spirit that didn't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Bottom line. If they didn't want it, I could pray there for three hours. But you know what I realized? After about maybe 10, 15 minutes of praying with someone and they're not quite they're not quite yielding it yet. I say, you know what? I'm gonna stop right there. I'm gonna teach you more. And we're gonna build a desire. And we may I may talk with them for two weeks, three weeks, I may talk with them for a month, six months, and then all of a sudden it'll click and say, That's why I have to have it. And when the desire there, and when the when the willingness is there and the yieldness is there, then it's two seconds, man. <laughs> they're operating they're moving in 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 uh, tongues and are filled with the Holy Spirit. But what do I need to do? I gotta get them to desire something. If I don't tell you how awesome ice cream is, you're not gonna want it. Okay? I, I can't I can't get you to desire some, or I can't get you to take something or be willing to have something if there's no desire for it in the first place. So that's why we've taken this time to build this up to identify what the gifts of the Spirit are for. Why they need to be made manifest in the church why we need to desire them, and who can have them. Because, man, if I didn't talk about today, then we could be sitting here for the next several weeks going through the gifts of the Spirit and just think, well, that's not for me. But maybe Pastor Mark will do it one day. (laughs) Man, I wish I could do that. That sounds really cool. Maybe one day I'll be cool enough, or maybe God will put his little halo on my head and say, you can move in the gifts of the Spirit. Well, I'm going to tell, but I'm telling you today, you're already there. Your qualification, one, is salvation. You must be a believer. And two, you must be connected to the body of Christ. If we got people that are just out running around and don't really want to hook up with the church and don't really want to be a part of a local body church, uh, don't expect to just walk. You ain't walking in this church. There might be some churches that will let you in and say, hey, come on in. You got a word. Here's a microphone. And start spitting out all kinds of crazy stuff. But, you know, that's, that's where people get hurt, is we start, putting, we start putting guns in the hands of babies. We start trying to get people to operate in tools and manifestations that they don't have the knowledge about. They're not qualified to use the tool and to operate the machinery. And so that's why we're taking this time to go through the Word. Develop the desire, develop the understanding, and I'm telling you, we'll see the gifts of spirit in operation. Amen? Well, Father, we thank you for your word this evening. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are uh, opening ears, opening minds, opening hearts to be receptive to your word, to be receptive to what you want to do in this church. It's not about a man. It's not about me. It's not about a name. It's not about any person. It is about us desiring the spiritual gifts in operation in our church so we can be edified, so we can be encouraged, so we can see you work. I don't want to come to church and just have a show and, and be entertained. I want to come to church and know that I receive life for tomorrow. When I punch in tomorrow, I just receive life last night that the word of God is speaking to me that it's opening my my ears and my eyes that I'm growing in knowledge and understanding and that I'm seeing how you want to use me on a daily basis. This stuff can be used just as much outside these doors as it is inside these doors. So Father, I thank you for this body that desires to grow, desires to learn. We have open ears, open hearts, we're receptive. Father, and I thank you that as we continue to grow We will see you work in our lives individually and as a body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.